All right, well, good morning. Good to see you all this morning. Uh, we are continuing in our series over uh, Jesus' parables. And this morning we're looking at the parable of the two builders. The parable of the two builders in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27 is where we're going to be at this morning. That'll be our main text. We'll kind of look at some of the texts around that, but that will be our main text this morning. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. So welcome to worship this morning. Um, and now we're turn our focus to uh, God's Word and what He has to say to us through His Word. If you found your place, uh, would you follow along with me as I read? Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. So to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you this morning for this opportunity to gather together as your church, Lord, for the opportunity to open your word, to, to hear from it, to learn from it. And God, as we, as we walk through this text this morning, help us understand the difference between worldly wisdom and heavenly wisdom, between the, the, the ways of the world and your ways, God. Help us, Lord, to understand how that applies to our life and how we might uh, be people who build their life on the rock. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Red Oak and the surrounding areas, uh, they are, they're growing like crazy. All you have to do is, is look and see all of the houses that are going up. And, and this week, uh, as I've seen all of those houses going up, I did a quick Google search just to see like, how many neighborhoods are going up in the area. And a quick Google search just returned that uh, over 150 communities are going up in the surrounding areas. And then when you look through that list uh, and just, just pull our zip code, 75154, you see that there are at least a minimum of eight new communities that are going up in, in the Red Oak area alone. That's a lot of homes that are being built. That's a lot of families that are moving in. That's a lot of people that we can reach as a church. And as families move into the area, they are faced with, with many life decisions, not only about where they're going to live, but, but in regard to what community they're going to be involved in. Where are their kids going to go to school? What clubs will they join and support? What church will they attend? And as a church, we need to be poised to reach them, to come alongside of them as they make these big life decisions, which is why we need people to serve, why we need people to see that that is their, their purpose in life, that is their purpose as church members, to be people who are making disciples, making disciples. And so, just to give a quick plug for the sign-up sheet that I have put out there uh, that many of you have gotten an email about, I've seen some new names on that sheet, but, but we still need more folks who will sign up. You know, if we want a big influx of families, those people who are moving into the area, then, then we need to be in a place where we can serve them in all aspects of their life. And, and along with families making these big life decisions, those folks who, who will also be bombarded with decisions about the homes that they're going to be building. 
Apart from selecting a house plan, they'll, they'll be tasked with choosing the color of the walls and the color of the carpet and the color of the tile that they're going to put in. Deci- decisions will be made about the finishes on the, the cabinets and the kitchen and, and the bathrooms along with the laundry list of, of other decisions that they are going to have to make. And oftentimes builders make those decisions uh, easier by offering just a couple of different choices, many at different price points. And if you've ever built a house, you know that that you have all of these different decisions to be made. Some of which you probably were happy with. Others maybe you were not so happy with. And you say, well, if I had to do it again, then I would do this different. You hear that a lot when you talk to people who have built a home, especially their, their first home. And if you're looking to build a home, then talking with somebody who has built a home in the past is probably a good idea, right? So that you can hear all of those. Well, if I had to do it again, I wish that I would have done this. And people have been offering advice to, to first-time home builders for a long time. And, and Jesus Himself, as we see in this parable, even offers some advice to the home builder. While Jesus offers advice to the first-time home builder, though, His advice is not directed solely at the home builder. I mean, we are looking at the parables of Jesus this summer. And when we think about a parable, a parable is, is simply an everyday event that has two levels of meaning, right? There's that, there's that surface level, there's that cultural meaning that, that makes sense within your cultural context or the cultural context in which Jesus lived as people were seeking to build homes. He's, he's using that, but he, he's using that in a way to connect with the people so that he might be able to teach them. In parables, that's what they do. They teach us. They, they have two levels of meaning. That surface level meaning, and they have that other meaning that talks about our spiritual life. That, that tells us who we are and, and who God is. How we are to live in God's kingdom. What He expects about us. And as wise as Jesus is, His main concern is not whether or not a first-time home builder knew which foundation on which to build, right? Instead, Jesus had a greater concern than that. And so what is, what is Jesus' greater concern? Well, this parable comes at the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount teachings. And the Sermon on the Mount, if you're in the book of Matthew, you flip back to chapter 5. This is where the Sermon on the Mount begins and we read about Jesus going up on the mountain to to teach and the exact location is not long known we're, we're thinking that it's somewhere in Galilee and and here is Jesus he has all of these disciples around him and and he sees them there and so he goes up on the mountain to teach and not just the 12 disciples we're talking a lot of people all a lot of people are following Jesus by this time and Matthew Chapter 4, verse 23, we learn that He has gone throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. His fame, because of that, has spread so much so that in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 4, we learn that they brought all the sick to Him. Those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and He healed them. And in verse 25, many from all over are following Jesus. And seeing that there is this great crowd that is, that is following Him, 
He takes this opportunity to go up on the mountain and, and in this day, they, the rabbis and, and teachers, they would, they would sit down while other people would stand or maybe they might sit, but typically they would stand and they would, they would take this seated position. And he goes up on the sermon, he goes up on the mountain and he sits and he delivers what we know as a sermon on the mount. And Jesus offers, what does it look like to live in the kingdom? What are some kingdom ethics? And he, and he teaches all through that. And we don't have time, of course, to walk through the Sermon on the Mount today, but, but just suffice it to say that he's teaching people who are a part of his kingdom and, and, and how we are to live in his kingdom. And here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount is where we encounter our parable this morning. Jesus is kind of wrapping things up and he's, he's presenting His conclusion, if you will, his, his call of response, if you will, to the people who have been listening to the wisdom that He has been teaching all throughout the Sermon on the Mount. And He provides us with two choices. A choice between hearing and doing the wisdom of the world or, or hearing and doing His wisdom. And we see this in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 7. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. But then if you skip down to verse 26, you see that everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them, well, they will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And so using this building analogy, Jesus distinguishes between worldly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. He uses this everyday occurrence in Palestine to show the folly of, of building our life on worldly wisdom. You see, the wise man, the wise man comes and he builds his house on the rock, but the foolish man, he builds his house on the sand. And in ancient Palestine, it did not rain all that often, but eventually hard rains would come and, and the rivers would overflow. The, the hard, dry ground would then turn into these rushing rivers that could sweep a house away in no time. And if you were a wise man in ancient Palestine, you would build your house on the rock so that when the rain fell, verse 25, and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, it would not fall because it had been founded on the rock. But, but those who were unwise, those who did not build their house on the rock, there was a different outcome for them. Verse 27, And then the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. You see, rushing water, even a small amount of rushing water is very destructive, right? We know that living here in Texas. Whenever we have hard rains, you know, they tell you, hey, if you see rushing water going over the roadway, do not drive through it, even if it looks shallow. Just a little bit of water can, can pull your car off of the road, and if there happens to be a river there or something, it can submerge you in the river. And so you, you may not only lose your car, but you might lose your life. And this seemed to be common knowledge in ancient Palestine that if you built your house on the sand, you might lose your house. Just like it's common knowledge to us that if you drive through some rushing water going over the roadway, you might lose your car or you might lose your life. And so Jesus, through this parable, He is he's using this everyday situation that, that people understood as people were building homes, and He offers two choices. 
Build your life on the rock, on biblical wisdom, experience safety and salvation. Build your life on the sand, on worldly wisdom, experience destruction. These are the two choices that we have. We are to allow the Bible, we are to allow Jesus to guide us. We are to allow biblical wisdom to direct our life. Not worldly wisdom. We aren't to turn to the world. We are not to allow the world to guide or direct us. Now on Friday mornings at 6.30 a.m. we have a men's Bible study that that gathers here at the church. We gather in the Corner Cafe and and we go through uh, Scripture. And so over the last however many months that we've been doing it, we've worked through the book of Colossians and, and now we're working our way through the book of James and Colossians was an excellent study, but but I found James to be be challenging and and good, maybe even a little bit better than our study through the book of Colossians. It is known as a, a book where the rubber meets the road, and and as James, as we walk through that each week, we're not only gaining biblical wisdom, but we're seeing the difference between worldly wisdom and biblical wisdom. We're seeing how that that works out in our in our lives and and we've come to understand some of these things and and through the book of James especially in James chapter 3 verses 13 through 18 I won't read that but maybe you mark that down and you go and you read that a bit later you see that there's heavenly wisdom and there is worldly wisdom and James is, is using these two different distinctions there and those who are who are wise by the worldly standards, they they live by different mantras. And as we were walking through our study, we came up with with some of these these mantras. And so this isn't just all me. I get to give the guys who are there credit for this as well. And some of the mantras that we came up that I wrote down in my notes as we were walking through was was you do you, just just let it be, do what feels right to you, be true to yourself. Do what makes you feel good. Just, just follow your heart. I'm sure that you have heard these. I'm sure, I'm sure that you have seen these before, especially if you're scrolling through Facebook, super popular for people to, to put these things up there. Maybe you have even voiced these mantras before. And as good as they might sound, they represent worldly wisdom. And now you might think that following worldly wisdom is going, to re- is going to result in success. I mean, we live in the world after all, so, so why, would it, why, would, you know, not, why would following worldly wisdom not result in success? Well, let me just say that's not, that's not true. Worldly wisdom, as James points out in James chapter 3, verse 14, it, it results in bitter jealousy. It results in selfish ambition it results in boasting that seeks to puff up self while while tearing other people down as well as it results in lies because it's all about self on the other hand heavenly wisdom is different heavenly wisdom it comes down from above heavenly wisdom is what jesus has been pouring forth all throughout the sermon on the mount heavenly wisdom produces good fruit you see this in james chapter 3 verses 17 and 18 it produces humility and peace and and mercy it's pure and gentle it is impartial and it results in sincerity you see all wisdom is not 
created equal. All wisdom does not lead to flourishing relationships and, and a flourishing and loving community. There are two different types of wisdom that we can listen to and apply to our life. They originate from two different places. Notice that I didn't say that, that they originate from several different places, but they originate from two different places. You see, wisdom either result, originates from God and His kingdom, or wisdom originates from Satan and his kingdom. There's not a third. There's not a, there's not a fourth or a fifth or a sixth type of wisdom that you can latch onto and use. No, there are two types of wisdom upon which we can base our life, upon which we can base our actions. God's wisdom, Jesus' wisdom, the wisdom found in, in God's Word that James refers to in, in his book as heavenly wisdom or worldly wisdom. And those who build their life on worldly wisdom, they will experience a great loss. Destruction, disaster will come upon those when they least expect it. Your entire life will come crashing down if you have built your life on worldly wisdom instead of the rock. Sand is easily moved in the things of this world they can they can promise us happiness they can promise us joy they can promise us pleasure and peace but but those things can quickly be taken from you say you put all of your stock in your career well your career can can quickly be taken from you or you put all of your stock in your banking account where your banking account can quickly be taken from you or your status in society you see this with with politicians well well all of that can be taken from you quickly and what happens if you haven't built your life on the rock your world comes crashing down the meaning and purpose that you had it is no longer there you fall into a deep dark depression because you were trusting in the things of this world. You were listening to worldly wisdom. Build your life on these things and you will be happy. And often it's the material world. Jesus tells us something different. We are to build our life on the rock. Those who build their lives on Jesus' wisdom, on, on His teaching, who operate according to a Christian worldview, will, will they stand firm when destruction comes knocking? Jesus does not change. He is the rock. When you go out there and you look at the rock, well, the rock is the same as it is yesterday and, and today and, and tomorrow. The rock will be there. It will never change. Jesus' acceptance of us will never change. Jesus' teaching, His wisdom will never change. It will always be the same. There's no shifting sands with Jesus. Even if the things around us come crashing down, you can find purpose and meaning because you have Jesus who is the rock. And it's not an if, but, but it's a when. Right? These things that seek to destroy us will come. They will come oftentimes at a time when we are not Expecting it. Life is going great. Everything is, is working out for us. It is working according to our five-point plan that we have built from you know, when we were a teenager. And, and we've seen all of these things just fall into place for us all throughout life. And then boom! Something comes. Something happens. A sickness, an illness, you lose your job. Whatever it might be. Something 
comes and those sands begin to shift underneath your feet. And that's what Jesus is getting at. Worldly wisdom doesn't save. Worldly wisdom does not protect. It only results in destruction. Now, hearing that, you might be thinking, well, if worldly wisdom is so destructible, why do people continue to follow worldly wisdom? There are thousands, millions of people out there every single day who follow worldly wisdom. Why do they continue to do it if it's so destructive? Well, let me give you three reasons. The first is the ways of the world are easier to come by. Building on the rock is hard work. You know, in Luke's account of this parable, we learn that a person didn't just find a rock upon which to build, but they had to dig down deep and lay their house on the foundation. In Luke chapter 6, verse 48, He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And, and when the flood arose, the, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been built well. Digging down deep to build on the rock is, is not easy. Right, if you guys have ever went out and, and started digging up things in, in your soil out there in your yard, maybe you want to put a post in or something like that. I mean, not even a house, just like you want to put a couple posts in. You know how difficult it can be. Think about building down and laying an entire foundation to get down to the rock so that you can use that as your foundation and digging all of that sand, all of that hard dirt, all of that hard clay out. That's hard work. It does not come easy and in the same way it can be easier to build on the sand right you just have to go out and find yourself a nice plot of land on which to build and it's easier for us to come by worldly wisdom all you have to do is turn on your tv scroll through through facebook or instagram or tiktok or whatever listen to the radio watch youtube look at the billboards as you drive down the highway our access to worldly wisdom is so much easier for us to come by than heavenly wisdom you don't have to be purposeful you don't have to be intentional you don't really have to put much effort into it at all you just have to allow all the things that bombard you on an everyday basis just soak those things up See, worldly wisdom is easier to come by. Not only is worldly wisdom easier to come by, but the ways of the world promise greater immediate benefits. Think back to the building analogy. If you aren't concerned with building on a rock, you can pretty much build anywhere that you want. right? You, you want to build close to a stream because this gives you access to water and things like that. Well, you just go and you find yourself a nice plot of land close to the stream and you build. Or you, you want to be close to your friends and your family? Well, great. You just find yourself a nice plot of land and you build close to friends and family. You've got community right there. You don't even have to work to get to it. Maybe you want to be close to your livestock so you can more easily take care of them. Well, build on the sand that is close to them. You see, building on the sand allows you to build pretty much anywhere. And it may seem beneficial at first. You may even get away with it for some time. But, but eventually, those rain, that rain is going to come, the flood is going to come, and it's going to wash your house away. Everything that you've built your house on or your life on is going to come crashing down. The immediate benefits that worldly wisdom offers is really not, not worth it in the end. The good fortune that worldly wisdom seems to provide will eventually run out. The house that you have built will eventually come crashing down. The short-term benefits of worldly wisdom are not worth it. 
They're not worth the long-term disaster. Another reason people may build on worldly wisdom is because the ways of the world may seem right because they're popular. I mean, the vast majority of the people in this world are, are living by worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom is popular. Worldly wisdom must be right. It must be what, what I should, would go after. And not only that, but, but that which is popular leads to, to greater acceptance. It, it leads to greater opportunity. It leads to less persecution. But what the world says is wide, wise. What the world accepts today what will that afford you tomorrow? You see, the, the world is like those shifting sands. It is, it is always changing. What, what they think is wise may not be wise tomorrow. It may not be wise next year. We live in an ever-changing world. And when you're on the right side of history one year, and you're on the wrong side of history the next year. And the world is coming after you. The world is mocking you. You see, what the world says today is wise, they may say tomorrow is foolish. And so if we build our life on the wisdom and teaching of the world, then we can not only expect disaster, we can not only expect destruction, but we can also expect judgment. The ways of the world may seem better, but, but they're not. The wind and the rain will come. The house you have built on the rock will, or the house you have built on the, on the sand will fall so don't build your house on the wisdom of the world instead build your house on the rock build your life on jesus build your life on his teaching on his wisdom that's what we should build on it is more it is more difficult yes it may not always result in in worldly success it might result in persecution it might result in you being misunderstood but it won't result in destruction it won't result in judgment. And how do we know that judgment is coming? Well, in the, the pericope or the, the paragraph just before this paragraph that we're looking at here in Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21, we, we read these words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Those are frightening words. It tells us that a day of judgment is coming. And what is even more frightening about these words is that, that Jesus is talking to those who by all looks of it are religious. They, they call Him Lord, and not just Lord, but, but Lord, Lord, and insinuating that He is the Lord. They have prophesied in His name. They have even cast out demons and done many mighty works in His name. But Jesus says to them, I never knew you. He calls them lawless and he tells them to depart from his presence and why do they face judgment why does jesus cast them out i mean they they performed works in his name after all What's, even though they performed 
They didn't do the Father's will. They didn't operate according to heavenly wisdom. They didn't hear Jesus' words and do them. Instead, they operated according to worldly wisdom. And how so? How do they operate according to worldly wisdom? It seems like they're following Jesus. It seems like they're doing things for Jesus. How do they operate according to worldly wisdom? Well, worldly wisdom says you must work for your salvation. You must do in the name of Jesus in order to gain His acceptance and entrance into eternal life. And here we have people coming and saying, I've done for you, Lord, except me. I have done works in your name. You accept me. But that's not what the gospel says, is it? The gospel teaches us that we can do nothing to earn our salvation. Jesus comes and Jesus earns it all for us. Religious work does not provide us with entrance into God's kingdom. Instead, you will hear the words that Jesus says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And those are frightening words. Frightening words for the average churchgoer. Religious people think it's, it's all about their work. Religious people think that it's all about what they have done. Religious people think it's all about how much they have given, how much they have served, how much they have supported the church. But Jesus says, look, none of that stuff is going to provide you with access into My kingdom. That is worldly wisdom. You are building your life on the sand and that is going to result in sure destruction. That is going to result in judgment. You see, what I want you to see is that, that worldly wisdom is not just out there. Right? Sure, it, it is out there in the sense that it's on TV and it's on Facebook and it's in the magazines and paper and all this stuff. Right? It is out there, but worldly wisdom can creep in here. Into the church. And you can distinguish it in your own heart if you listen to your own words carefully. Do you know what I have done? The average church member says. Do you know what I have given? I deserve this or that because I've done this or that or I've been there for this or that. These are signs that worldly wisdom has creeped into your life. That you are operating according to worldly religion rather than gospel religion. Those who are following worldly religion, they come and they say to God, I have done this for you, accept me. They say to those around them, look what I have done for the kingdom. Look what I have done for God. Recognize that I am in the kingdom. Say that I'm in the kingdom. But those who are following gospel religion, those who are following true religion, biblical religion, they recognize they recognize that it has nothing to do with what they have done. They recognize it has everything to do with what Jesus has done for them. Amen. And they praise God for that. And they seek God's glory instead of their own glory. They seek God's name instead of their own name. They seek His recognition instead of their recognition. See, worldly religion says, I have done. The Gospel religion. True religion says Jesus has done for me and I rest 
in that. Destruction and judgment is coming to those who operate according to worldly religion. And that includes those who completely buy into that secular mindset that is out there and those who are a part of the church who operate according to worldly religion. But Jesus is calling you to follow Him. He's not calling you to follow the wisdom of the world. He is call, calling you to follow Him. Amen. He is calling you like the wisdom in the book of Proverbs that we, that we read about. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the market, she raises her voice at the head of the noisy streets. She cries out at the entrance of the city gate, she speaks. How long, O oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. And so how long? How long will you refuse to listen? How long will you ignore Jesus' counsel to build your life on His wisdom on the rock? Again in Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Will you be a fool? Will you despise wisdom and instruction? Will you follow the wisdom of the world? Will you build your house on the sinking sand? Or will you build your house on the rock who is Jesus Christ? The former results in sure destruction and judgment. The latter results in eternal life. Will you be like the man who builds his house on the sand? Or will you be like the man who builds his house on the rock? You can respond today by purposing to build your life on the rock. And that's true of both believers and non-believers today. If you're a believer, let today be the day where you say, I'm going to put out worldly religion. I'm going to put out worldly wisdom. I'm going to follow the true rock. I'm going to build my life on that. And I'm going to do whatever I can to get as much biblical wisdom in me as I can. And if you're not a believer here today, you too can have access to Jesus' wisdom. You can escape destruction and judgment by turning to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, by repenting of your sins, and by believing that Jesus is the one who has done it for you. Not trusting in your own work, not, not trusting in your own abilities, in your own efforts but trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone. We must strive to enter into Jesus' rest by striving to rest in Jesus. In Jesus alone. By putting off and casting out all of the work that we think that we have done to earn His acceptance and favor and salvation. And by saying, Jesus has done it all for me. And today, if you are not a believer today, it's an opportunity for you to say that. For you to turn to Jesus to believe that His sacrifice paid your debt, a debt that you can never pay on your own. And if you are a believer today, it's an opportunity to worship God for that. Amen. To worship Him for the salvation that He has provided. I'm going to pray, and we're going to have a time of response. And you respond. You respond to this message at that time. God, we thank You. We thank You for who You are. 
We thank You for the salvation that You provide us, God. Lord, we ask, Lord, that You would help us. That You would help us put away worldly wisdom and seek Your wisdom and Your wisdom alone. God, if there's someone here who doesn't know You, if there's someone here who's watching online today who doesn't know You, Lord, we ask that this message would shake them, Lord. It would shake the foundation upon which they have built their life, the, the sand. And they would turn to You. And only to You. And recognize that You are their Savior. Lord, do a work in our own hearts. Do a work in our congregation, Lord. Do a work in our city as we seek and we strive to live according to Your wisdom. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.